I feel like I know everything now. There you go. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Frontend Masters. They have a terrific lineup of live courses you can attend either online or in person. They also have a terrific backlog of courses you can watch, including JavaScript Good Parts, Build Web Applications with Node.js, AngularJS In-Depth, and Advanced JavaScript. You can go check them out at frontendmasters.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 233 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel, we have Amy Knight. Hello from my last week in Baltimore. <laughs> Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. A uh, quick shout out about React Remote Comp coming up soon. Uh, we have a special guest this week, and that's John Sonmez. Hey, what's up? So you've been on the show before, but do you want to give us a brief introduction anyway? Sure. So I finally have nailed down my my elevator pitch of what who I am, what do I do. So I teach software developers how to be cool. <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> That's it. Yep. So basically, I I do self development for for software developers, personal development. You know, I used to say life coaching, but that just gets a bad rap. So you know, if for those of those of you that know Tony Robbins, I try to be kind of like Tony Robbins for software developers, helping them with all the areas of their life that are not just writing code. But I did write code for fifteen years, and I I do and I did do a lot of technical training as well. And so I guess that's what we're talking about today. It's actually a technical topic. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so so busy talking about so many other topics that uh, it's it's a shocker. But but yeah, so that's what I do. I run a website called Simple Programmer, and the focus of it is really just helping software developers to live better lives, to improve their lives, improve their careers. You know, all of all of those things that sometimes get ignored when you really really hone down on one skill set, uh, like a technical skill set. So. I was going to try and make an inside joke, but I think we'll just <laughs> get to some other things. John and I talk every week on another podcast called Entre Programmers, and it's a mastermind group where we just talk about our businesses and give each other advice and things like that. So, Yep, shoulders to cry on. <laughs> That's right. Oh, boy. Last couple of weeks for me. Anyway, um, so we brought you on today to talk about Chrome extensions, and it was kind of funny because... Uh, I didn't know that you knew about this particular topic, but somebody requested it on our uh, topic request form. And in particular, they were saying, well, can you build Chrome extensions with Angular? And I thought about it for a minute, and I was like, I don't know. So I started looking at how to build a Chrome extension, and the first article was John's. So, um, Yeah, yeah, that's been a pretty popular article. I think it's how to create a Chrome extension in 10 minutes. <laughs> So you want to give us a rundown? I know that there are Chrome extensions and Chrome plugins, and you mentioned before the show that there was a difference. Do you want to start there with what what they are and what the differences are? Sure. Yeah. So it's it's you know the word plugin and extension gets confused, but but extension is the one that we're after here because I don't think many of us are going to be writing Chrome plugins. In fact, I think Chrome really doesn't let you write plugins anymore. So a plugin is basically like the easiest way to describe it is like shockwave or flash right that's a plugin and that's because it directly integrates into the sort of internals of the browser using some apis it's usually uh, compiled code right it's it's a lot more in depth it can it could do nasty things it's you know th think about it as you know, in the old model of browsers we had just plugins and everything was a, a plugin an extension 
is different. An extension is really just a bunch of HTML, JavaScript, and CSS. It's really just really web pages that get that get added on to Chrome. So it's not doing it's not going into the digging into the internals of Chrome, but it's it's using anything you could do really in a in a regular web page. It's really you know just that just the web essentially and and it extends the capabilities of of the chrome pages and also the the browser itself using you know some apis that that chrome exposes using whatever you can do on the web uh, pretty much and so that's that's really the difference it's it's a the difference between being something that's kind of comes bolted on after the fact an extension versus something that is really internal under the hood, like Flash, which would be a plugin. So just to give a couple of examples, um, I have a Chrome extension that adds features to Gmail. And so it just makes the Gmail page act, act differently. And that's an extension versus, say, a plugin that does like, I have a color picker that acts like it's actually part of the Chrome uh, program that's running on my computer. And it doesn't actually modify the behavior of the web page or add a widget to the web page. It's actually a widget in Chrome itself. Right. I'm not sure on the color picker. That sounds, I'm, I would be surprised if that's a plugin. That may be an extension as well. Well, here, here's a quick way to tell. So for, this is probably useful. So if you go into Chrome and you type Chrome colon colon forward slash plugins, then you, or plugin, I think it is, uh, then you'll see a list of your plugins. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Yeah, plugins. And then and you can see in there that it's probably going to be like Chrome PDF viewer, native client, Adobe Flash Player. Now, if you do Chrome colon forward slash forward slash extensions, now you'll see your extensions. And extensions are the thing that's making your whole computer slow. I think we we would have <laughs> we would not need faster and faster computers every year. It used to be because of games, but now it's because of Chrome. <laughs> that is true. Uh, extensions are also the spyware my kids keep getting on their computer, right? <laughs> it, you know, I'm not sure. There's, there are some, some interesting ways to install extensions to do like one-click install. So it may be, you know, extensions can do some stuff, right? They're, they're not, they, they can't do stuff to your computer so much, right? There, there, there's a few things that they, they might be able to do there, but, but extensions can intercept web pages, modify them, they can do run a lot of stuff in the background. So so they they could definitely be used for for spyware. That's definitely a possibility. So I've seen when I'm browsing a web page if uh, there's an active extension on it that uh, when I use the Chrome dev tools, it shows like a JavaScript, basically a JavaScript tag with Chrome extension blah 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 bunch of numbers. Is that essentially how extensions work? They just insert crap into the page well okay so there's a couple of different ways i guess it's probably worth going kind of the the high level overview of what how extensions work so one one form of extension is called a page extension right and so that the and, and extensions can have multiple parts but but essentially if you have a page extension what it does is it'll show up as an icon at the top right and then if you click that that icon it'll it'll render some html page right so you can create or or sorry 
uh, I've got it. I've got it backwards here. <laughs> a browser action extension is what, what I'm talking about there. Uh, so a browser action extension is basically it extends the browser itself. So it will add some capability. So you could click on that in the the top nav, and it'll basically just load up an HTML page, and that HTML page could have JavaScript associated with it. It could just be you know very plain, right? Uh, it could also load up have a background page some javascript which is what you you might be seeing there and it could load that up to do all kinds of functionality the other way that an extension can work in chrome and, and it can have both of these components is that it could be the the page action extension and those extensions essentially work on more than or, or work on specific pages so within chrome if you're creating an extension what you can do is in the do you create this manifest file it's just this basic file that says it's a json file it says what your extension is what the version is description you know icons and and all of the permissions and things like that and you can define in there you can say okay for for this filter of pages right i want you to run and it'll and you can say which html page that it's going to invoke and that will be a like a page extension and that will it'll run on that page and it can insert some javascript into that page to alter that page um, and so extensions essentially can add to the ui right of of chrome itself they can work specifically on pages and then they can have content or they can modify the content so they can add some javascript to the actual page itself so a lot of times the way that that, that would work is if you've got a, a page action right and so so basically when you go to a certain site that you want to execute some code on or let's say the gmail one for example that, that you're talking about the way that that's working is that in the manifest file that json file it's saying okay for this particular filter when the web address is Gmail, go ahead and load up this HTML. And so it, it will, I'm imagining there has some HTML that contains an HTML doc that references some JavaScript. And then that JavaScript, it's, it executes when that page loads and it looks for certain elements on the page and it will modify the DOM there. So you can really think of it, you know, as it's very simply what you can do with, with web pages. Right, uh, except that you you have the ability to execute this on existing pages, whatever you know, to execute this JavaScript. So, in fact, the way that I, when I was developing extensions, what I would do is I would just take JavaScript and I would just execute it in the console, and that's you know that that's a good way to test out the uh, the, the extension. And you could just take you know that kind of maybe code if you've if you've ever done that before and you can make an extension out of it if you want bookmarklets make great extensions because it's it's the same idea essentially that was a long rant <laughs> i feel like i know everything now there you go <laughs> just downloaded it all into your brain yeah, short yeah. show <laughs> all right so what kinds of extensions might a developer be interested in writing on their own that's a good question. You know, I think I think the most for the most part, you know, I, I was thinking about this because I thought, oh, could I do extensions and make some money making extensions and and what would be useful? I think probably the biggest the biggest appeal of extensions is if you have an app already, right? Or you have some kind of service, maybe you have a SaaS app or something like that. 
and you want to make something easier to do or add some capability to Chrome to use your existing app. That's probably the number one use case. So, and, and if you think about it, if you look at your extensions, that makes sense, right? Because probably the extensions you have installed come from, or a large part of them come from apps that, uh, that are existing. And so, you know, as an app developer, you want to be able to get where your user is. Like, for example, Evernote would be a good example. Evernote has a web clipping extension that allows you to, you know, clip web pages from inside Chrome. Uh, the other place I, I think that you could uh, you could use extension is just some kind of whatever functionality is is more like what we used to do it in Firefox with the grease monkey type of. Thing if where where you would want to modify pages or or do automate some kind of process so like in the tutorial I did I wanted to have or actually in one of the Pluralsight courses I did what I did <laughs> what I used to do when I was creating a lot of Pluralsight courses I'd kind of add up in the top hundred Pluralsight courses and I'd see who had the most courses that were in there uh, so I could kind of gauge where I was at so I actually created an an extension that would add some JavaScript to the page that would modify the DOM and would display each author name and then next to it the, the number of courses. So uh, any anytime you have something where you want to be able to modify the the page and and that functionality doesn't exist and and you can just and it's so simple to do that you could just do it for yourself. You don't even have to sell it, right? So if you just had some you know, something that you're doing, some data you're parsing on a page, or you need some functionality, you know, to automate, you, you could definitely create an extension and, and you don't even have to put it in the store. You can just drop it on your local system and utilize it. So what made you get into this? What was the use case that you were trying to account for when you started building something? Or did you just do it out of curiosity? I, I, it was mostly out of curiosity, I would say. I was doing... I had done a, a Pluralsight course on Chrome Developer Tools, and when I was playing around with that, I got interested in the and uh, in, in what other kind of Chrome stuff could I could I learn about, and so that's where I got interested in the extensions. And then, like I said, I was trying to create a tool for myself. I was like, well, I I want to create a something to be able to view the count of, of courses for Pluralsight author in the top hundred because I was at that time. I think when I was creating this, I was trying to you know, to be the most published Pluralsight author. So I was trying to get as many courses as, as possible published. And so I was wanted to see where I ranked, where I was at. And so I had built some JavaScript functionality to do this. So I would basically go into the Chrome developer tools and I would drop this JavaScript in the console to execute it on that page. And then I realized, oh, wait a minute, this, this will work well for an extension because I can just, instead of me having to drop this on there manually, what if I just had this extension in my browser all the time and it basically just inserted that. So I went down the path to see like how hard would this be? And I was surprised when I looked into Chrome extensions because it was so simple. It is, you know, it, it sounds daunting, but it was so simple. I had it working in like an hour and then I realized, okay, this is probably something that I could do a course on and teach people how easy this is. So that's, yeah, that's how I ended up going down that path. I've seen some uh, extensions that are pretty involved, though. For example, there's the, um, what is it called? Augury extension that, you know, basically hooks into all of my Angular stuff and tells me what's going on there. And it's it seems like there'd be more to it than just, oh, I'm going to drop some JavaScript in here. But, you know, there are actual uh, things that they add to the layout and 
things that they do to hack into Angular so that they can see what's going on there. And so it, it seems like, yeah, I mean, if you're just um, munging through the data on the page and then going, okay, there are so many of these, that seems pretty simple. But if you're getting something more complicated, how do you manage all of the interactions with the, I don't, I don't know what to call it, with the original DOM? Yeah. So, so I guess, you know, there's, there's definitely some ways to organize your extensions and, and it really, I mean, if you think about it, an extension can be, can be fairly complex. Like the concept is simple, right? So, I mean, you can create an extension in 10 minutes, right? You could just basically drop a manifest file, this JSON file, and you could have it say that it should just load up this hello.html page and if you just basically put that in, you know, like I said, 10 minutes, five minutes, you could have that up and you can deploy it, you know, drop it in the, in the directory or, or load it up in Chrome and you'll have a button that shows up and you can click the button and an HTML page will come up. It, it's that fast. But just like any, any web app, right, you have the capability of creating a complex application. You could do callbacks to an API. You could parse multiple pages and, and have all kinds of logic in there. So you, you'd kind of divide this up just like you would a normal application. If you, if things get complicated, you're going to have everything divided up into different directories, right. And, and manage the, the parts. It's not like, it's not like you like Chrome restriction says you have to have one HTML page and everything has to run on there. You can have multiple pages, uh, you know, some extensions use quite a few HTML pages and you can have JavaScript behind it. Uh, you can't include the JavaScript in the HTML page for, for security reasons in, in Chrome, but you can have, you know, as many JavaScript files as you want and you can utilize uh, all the different features. So you could have multiple page actions that your extension works on different pages. It can have different content scripts that it injects into the page. And those content scripts can even message back to the the page action. So within your extension, you can send messages back and forth in order to be able to manipulate different parts of the page or interact with the user interface. So you know, in your extension, you could have options that you click uh, in the user interface part, and that can actually send messages back to the content script that executes on the page and modify the page in different ways. So you can get pretty complex with this, right? And there's a whole, you know, a good resource to kind of figure out what you can do is if you just go to developer.chrome.com um, slash extensions, there's like an API guide in there and it gives you all of the information for for the Chrome platform APIs. So there's just like a ton of stuff that you can, you could accomplish, but you know, so simple in, in theory, right? Simple to get started, simple to create a very simple page, but it can be as complex as you want. So I guess down to the actual question that was asked, can I use something like Angular or React as part of my plug uh, or extension? I almost said plugin. You know, I've never used it myself, but I don't see any reason why you can't. <laughs> and now I could, again, I haven't, I'm, I can't say 100% sure because I haven't used it myself, but you, you would have to load it up, right, in order to, to do, to do that. So you'd have to reference those, those JavaScript files from within the extension and then and then you could do it if if it's possible but i would i wouldn't see any reason why not because i had included uh jquery in my 
in my extensions because you know this was it's been some time I, this was pre-angular <laughs> but uh, i would include jquery in order to make things easier do they ever post updates to chrome that will break certain extensions not that i've seen so far possibly there might have been some security things there was that whole thing where there was were permissions right so I know that some of the extensions that I, that I've had in my browser have had to re re request permissions because they've changed the permissions or they've made it a little more strict what the default permissions are. That's the other thing in your in your manifest file, just like most apps today, you have to say what you're gonna do. In fact, this is a, just a good tip for for anyone that's do, doing extensions because this is a big uh, tripping point is that. If something doesn't work and you can't figure out why, make sure that you've requested the permissions you've in, in the manifest file because you, you have to specify those. So that's probably your most likely breaking point unless you're doing something that's, that crosses the line between extension and plugin because so, some of the extensions can actually go and do some, some native stuff, but for the most part, most extensions don't do that. So usually you know, you're not going to have an issue. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a 1,000 tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and L.A. bid on JavaScript developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average JavaScript developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with a company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $2,000 bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the Ruby Rogues link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash JavaScript Jabber. What about testing your plugins? Is it just trial and error, or do they actually have some way of... Uh, plugging in a test framework or something on it? So the the best way I found for testing it was just to use the, the Chrome developer tools. And then so just like you had said that you had found that that when you are in the dev tools, you could see like uh, the extension code being added to the page. That's exactly how you debug it is you just go in there and you look at use the Chrome developer tools and you can see the extra JavaScript that's on there and you can set breakpoints and you can go through there. Uh, there's also a mode you can, in extension, in the extension tab in Chrome, you can set it to developer mode and then it allows you to quickly reload extensions and update them uh, and pack them up, in fact, if you want. So that's that's typically how, how I've done it. If you have a more complicated extension, you might do something different, right? And if you think about it this way, too, an extension really is a is basically a web app. It's 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 just all an extension is is some HTML, JavaScript, and CSS, right? Just like any any kind of web app. And so you could actually pull out the core functionality. Like so, so suppose I was building a really big extension, I would not want to debug it on the pages inside Chrome itself. Uh, I would want to take as much functionality that isn't Chrome specific, like the user interface and and that functionality, and I would want to take that out and debug that by itself, just so I wouldn't have all the extra complication. So it it really depends on what level. But if it's just a simple extension, you're going to be able to just go into Chrome Dev Tools and set breakpoints and, and walk through it that way. What about packaging it up for the Chrome Web Store? <laughs> 
So it's real simple. It's basically just a zip file that is that has a .crx extension on there. And that's really all you got to do is just zip up the you've got a, a, a directory structure that that contains like a manifest file and then your HTML and, and JavaScript. And you basically just zip that up. The manifest file says where everything is located. And that one just has to be called, I believe it's manifest.js or uh, .json. And then you can you can load it into your browser from there. And in fact, I think Chrome has a, a pack extension function. Yeah. So you can you can if you go into Chrome, uh, ex the extensions tab in Chrome you, and you turn on developer mode, you can see pack extension there and you just can say what the root directory is. And you can put in a, a, a private key if you're if you're signing the extension, if you're going to go to the app store. And then it'll basically zip it up and, and sign it for you. And then you can upload it to the app store. Now, what about for beginners? Are Chrome extensions the kind of thing that's suitable for beginners, uh, you know, people that don't have a lot of experience with web applications to play around with? Yeah, I think, in fact, I think it's, it's probably a, a decent thing to start out with if you are a beginner simply because of how easy it is to create a, a simple extension right you can you're basically picking back piggybacking off of the the functionality of chrome itself and so it might be actually easier to extend an app or to just you know to add something rather than than trying to create your own full app uh, i guess you know a lot, i think a lot of beginner developers at least in the in the web space do like WordPress plugin development as, as sort of a beginner kind of activity rather than creating their own application. But Chrome, a Chrome extension would be even easier than that because you're, you're not using any, I mean, you don't have to use any firmware. You're just basically using basic HTML and JavaScript at the, at the core. And then you've already got a lot of functionality, right? You can just, you're adding something as opposed to, uh, as opposed to creating something from scratch. You'll have to excuse me if we already talked about this because I have a lot going on in my house right now, <laughs> uh, getting ready for a move. But anyways, one thing that I'd be curious about, um, have we at all discussed, like, are there any specifics if you want to build out an extension specifically for the dev tools versus an extension that um, potentially like any user of Chrome would be interested in? Is there, have you done anything like that? And is there anything... Um, that would be important to know for people interested in doing something like that. Like, for instance, I know like the Redux dev tools are super helpful or um, I'm trying to think if there were any other like specific dev tool add-ons that I've ever used, but that one just comes to mind. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I haven't done anything with the dev tools. I believe that when I was working on extensions, I, I don't think I've, like I haven't been doing doing lately working on extensions, but when I was, when I was putting out this material and, and working, that there wasn't a, an ability to extend the dev tools, but, uh, but now there is. So now you could actually create extensions. If I, if I understand correctly, that could actually extend the, the dev tools themselves. So I'm not exactly sure. I've never gone and done that myself. But I would imagine it would work this the same way. I don't. I don't. I, I would imagine it's just additional APIs that are exposed. Yeah, that's kind a, of what I'm thinking. That I don't know. That sounds super fun. Maybe a weekend project. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When it runs into an error, it curses at you. <laughs> you could get if you could somehow get it to like talk um, to your Mac with say or something and have it. <laughs> 
read back stuff to you. There you go. Have it pull up one of John's YouTube videos. <laughs> it's funny because uh, when I scheduled this, I just I was thinking to myself, um, and I skimmed the article, and I was like, there's got to be more to it than this. But it seems like it is <laughs> relatively simple, and yeah, you just jump in and basically tell it what you want it to do. Quick, John, you have to like say something really complicated and use some jargon to like, <laughs> intimidate everyone. <laughs> yeah, there's there's really not not a whole lot to it, right? I mean, it is, and that and that's the that's the pleasant thing about it, though, is it's like I think a lot of people are intimidated by the idea of developing an extension, but literally, like I said, when I looked into it, it took me an hour to figure it out, and I had an extension working because it is really that simple. It's just some HTML, just a manifest file that says what. What, what HTML file to load up and then some JavaScript that executes behind it. And then you can, I mean, you can do whatever you, you want to do with it within the HTML and JavaScript. Um, and then, you know, the, you can browse through the APIs for the, for the Chrome API. Like you can, you can do things like open new tabs and, uh, and get access to the Omni bar in Chrome and, you know, get access to which tabs are open and switch tabs and cookies and stuff like that. So there's, you know, you Chrome itself gives you quite a bit of, of stuff, but, but yeah, but the basic idea is just so, so simple, which is good, right? I mean, we, <laughs> too many things are complicated. This, this is, is, is elegantly designed. If it's if simple enough that someone can get started and do it in like 10 minutes. So one hmm. other, one other thing that I've run into is, um, and I'm going to use privacy badger as an example for this, but I've had one plugin that basically made it hard for another plugin to operate because it blocks cookies and blocks uh, other content. And so you actually have to whitelist stuff as you're loading the page. And uh, anyway, I've just, I, and it, it's kind of frustrating. Is there a way to avoid that? Or can you just not know that it's going to do that if it's messing with cookies or other uh, core functionality features of how the page works? It'd be permissions because remember that manifest file says what permissions of an extension. So you could, if you're in, if when you're installing an extension, it'll tell you what permissions. You know, most most of the time, most people just click OK. <laughs> but if you if you saw that it was going to you know utilize the cookies or block the cookies, you could you could you could know ahead of time. But aside from that, I mean, extensions can collaborate each other. So I guess you know there there's another aspect of this, right? Which is Extensions are so easy to create that it's it's great, but it's also bad. So extensions can clobber each other on different pages. You know, like like you said, they can. There's nothing that can st that would stop them from doing that. Anyone can develop an extension, right? And extensions can run JavaScript in the background. So with that storm of of newbies creating extensions that they don't understand or malicious people right you can have some pretty nasty effects right i mean and that's probably the reason why chrome has gotten somewhat bloated i imagine that they'll have to figure out you know google will have to figure out some point how to deal with this problem is because we have so many extensions and who knows what that extension is doing it could be it's going to be it could be very inefficient in executing a, a lot of javascript in the background or loading up in a lot of information and using up a lot of your memory and yeah so that's that's kind of the downside of of things being so easy that it's accessible to anyone 
Do you know of any examples of open source plugins off the top of your head? Or not plugins. I keep saying plugins. Do you know of any good open source extensions that we could go look at for sort of code examples, maybe on GitHub or something? Ah, you know, I don't know of any. I'm sure there are some. I'm trying to think. There, There is... I thought there was a good, okay, let me see. There's like, I think on the developer page, on the developer.chrome.com forward slash extensions, there's this Google Mail Checker extension example. And they've got, actually, you know, they should have all the sample apps in there. Let me see. Of course, they're, of course it's broken now. <laughs> uh, how nice. But it's supposed to be in there. It, there may be some other way to access this. Uh, okay. Oh, actually, you know what? Uh, and I'll drop a link in here and you can probably put in the show notes. But but there is. It's exactly what you said. It's Git, It's on GitHub. They have Chrome app samples. And you can go into the samples directory. And it looks like they've got a lot of stuff in here of different sample apps. So that's pretty cool. Awesome. But yeah, and one, one quick way to get an extent to create an extension too is just to take one of these sample apps, right? That's already got everything, got the manifest file, got all the structure, and then just start modifying it until it becomes what you want. Find something that's close to what you want. I've done that a few times. Is just taking something that's pretty close to what I want and then change it a little bit and then you know there you go. All right. Well, I don't know if I have any other questions. Do you, Joe or Amy? I do not. I'm out. All right. Let's go ahead and do some picks then. Um, Joe, do you want to start us off with picks? Oh, sure. I can start us off with picks. Um, so I've been, I think I picked on a previous episode, VidAngel, that I've been watching a bunch of shows that I haven't normally watched because uh, I don't watch uh, ours typically. But I've been recently watch, going through and watching a few movies, and I saw a movie yesterday, Django Unchained, which was really quite a... I, I'm not normally a big fan of um, Quentin Tarantino. His stuff is, tends to be over the top, but I really thought it was a powerful movie. You know, a uh, little bit of social commentary and a little bit of a, I don't know, an interesting but yet extreme view of slavery. So... That was an interesting show, uh, and if you're just an action aficionado, an audio, then it was enjoyable for that perspective as well. But something worth watching uh, if that's a topic of interest to you. So I'm going to pick the movie Django Unchained. That was definitely an awesome movie. <laughs> lots of lots of uh, just just uh, un, un, unleashed violence. <laughs> Right. Yeah. But, but a good, but a good message. Tarantino. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But still, yeah, very interesting look. So I don't know. I thought it was enjoyable and socially, uh, you know, uh, interesting. All right, Amy, what are your picks? I have two. So the first one is going to be um, a course by Lucas Rubuki, who I know is also on one of your podcasts. Um, but it is a new egghead course using Angular 2 patterns <clears throat> in an Angular 1.x app. So I thought that that course that he did was pretty good. And the other one I was going to pick, this actually came through um, on Facebook, and I haven't seen it on Twitter. Um, but it is, and it's just like a very, it's more the picture that you want to see for anything. Um, but it's on some girl's blog, uh, com, but um, someone, I guess, on Facebook 
took a picture of Girls Life magazine and Boys Life magazine for September 2016, the covers of them, and just the various topics. Um, for instance, like the Girls Life magazine says uh, fall fashion you'll fall in love with, and the Boys Life magazine says, you know, talks about exploring your future. So this girl um, redid the Girls Life cover, and instead of uh, fall fashion you'll love, she has girls doing good, and uh, instead of your dream hair, she has changed it to your dream career. So I just really liked, um, like, even though this blog post was super short, um, like, it just gets the point across, uh, you know, if you have, like, a teenage daughter or even, um, I don't know, even if you're older, I thought that uh, this is just some good things to ponder a little bit. So I'll put a link for both those things in the show notes, and that's it for me. I'm really curious because I know that Boy's <laughs> Life is put out by the Boy Scouts of America. Okay. And I don't... I don't yeah, I don't know. I don't know who puts out Girls Life and so I think the the value set and the aims of the organizations that put it out are probably very different. I hope so because I would like to think that Girl Scouts would not be like your dream hair and uh like it says uh, one of the things on here is like, are you ready for a boyfriend? And then she, the different one that she changed is um you know, planning your life goals. So it's just, you know, it's, it's just sad that, you know, people seem to think that this is what girls are interested in. And, um, I would venture to say a lot of them are interested in it only because they don't know any better or the people around them. Um, they just don't have like any examples of girls who are interested in other types of things. So they feel like they have to be into doing their hair and stuff like that because that's what everyone else is around them doing. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's good to know that there are other options out there. I'm, I'm pretty into doing my hair. So. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. All of it. Like I said, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's good, you know, like personally I speak from experience, you know, growing up, like that's what I was surrounded with. And then um, just through a series of meeting different people, I realized, you know, there's a lot more to, you know, what I can do with my life and stuff. So, all right. Well, Anyways. Yeah. Interesting. And any others Did I cut you off? Nope. That's it for me. Okay. Um, I have a couple of picks. Um, the first one is something that I used for the first time today. It is webinar jam, which is a webinar software. Um, I've been using, uh, what is it? Crowdcast for the past couple of years. And ultimately, what made me switch was that I've been doing the online conferences. I've been getting ready to put together some webinars. And I really, really wanted something that was more along the lines of both um, something that was well-tested, which Google is. I've had a few issues with Crowdcast. The other issue is, is that I want the high-definition um, high video and... Crowdcast doesn't provide that unless you use Google Hangouts, and Webinar Jam is built around Google Hangouts. So it all works out, has pretty much the same features. It actually costs a little less over the course of a year, and so there were a lot of reasons why I was looking at switching. Um, that said, Crowdcast is awesome software, and I really like it, but it just didn't quite get uh, what I needed. So um, I'm really liking it. We used it for the Freelancer Show Q&A um, this morning and it worked great. 
And uh, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to see how things go. I'm using it for Angular Remote Conf this week. And for my five mistakes that are keeping you from getting hired, uh, webinar. And you can actually go check out the webinar if you want. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well um, if you're looking for a job. But yeah, um, really, really digging it so far. And it has all kinds of analytics and stuff that also help you keep track of what's going on with it. So yeah, so that those, those are my picks. John, what are your picks? Okay, so I've got three picks here. Is it all right if I pick one of my picks for something that I have? Yes. Okay, all right. I always like to ask. But uh, so my first pick, I, I figured I, I should probably pick a Chrome extension, right? That's That makes sense. So at first there wasn't one. Then I realized there's this pretty awesome Chrome extension that I've been using called Screencastify. It's, it's awesomely named and it's awesome. So uh, you can find that at screencastify.com. And then it's also in the Chrome extension store. And basically what it does is it lets you, it's a Chrome extension that's a screen recorder inside of Chrome, which is just uh, just awesome. So I've been using this to really just irritate uh, customer service by instead of just sending an email when I have problems with things, I record a screencast because it's so easy to do now. And so I get to record a screencast and then just it, it'll save it up to Google Drive automatically. So I just drop them a link. I'm like, watch this video so we don't have to have five emails going back and forth showing you what's wrong with your website. And so, yeah, so this is really cool for, you know, doing screencasting, showing people how you're doing things in, in your browser, making training for employees, things like that. Uh, really, really simple. You know, you can always do, everyone always says, well, you should do screencasts, right? And, and screencast stuff. But it's, it, it, it can be difficult to do. So this is something that it's right there in the Chrome browser. So I find myself using it all the time. Okay. And uh, my next pick is a book uh, by Scott Adams. So the creator of Dilbert. And this is actually, I was very surprised. I, I've actually read a couple of his books now. I'm, I'm really surprised by this guy, but he is really awesome. It, it's called How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big kind of the story of my life. And it is a really, really good book. It is actually has a lot of good systems in there. He talks about system thinking and coming up with processes for things. And it, it's just really, really good life advice, honestly, on, on how to be successful. It covers a ton of topics from, you know, failure and how to overcome failure and not being afraid of failure to even, even some stuff on getting in shape. It's, he, he's just really, really a brilliant guy that, that has done a lot of things, a lot more than just creating the Dilbert cartoons. So I, I definitely feel like this is like a top book, especially for, for tech people, because they'll probably relate to him quite a bit since, since that was his background and, and if you like Dilbert. So, and then the last thing is, is my own thing. So I am currently working on a book, a new book. I can't believe I'm writing another book after writing soft skills, but I am. And it's called the complete software developers career guide. At least that's the tentative title. And it, you can, Sign up. I'm basically giving it away for free while I'm working on it uh, on my blog. And so you can either just go to simpleprogrammer.com or if you go to simpleprogrammer.com forward slash career guide, you can sign up and get the chapters, so basically the entire book for free while it's being created. It'll be emailed to you 
which, uh, yeah. And then, you know, eventually it'll, it'll come out in a, I'm, I'm hoping to have a nice, you know, two volume set form, but, but you can get all the information for free. And it basically covers from the beginning of your career to sort of advanced stage of your career and everything in between all the, from a soft skill type of perspective, all the things that you need to know in order to succeed, how to get a job, how to raise up in your career, how to work with your coworkers, all of that stuff. So those are my picks. All right. Well, I know you have a lot going on. Um, are there any links that, uh, besides the one that you just shared, that you want people to go check out as far as simpleprogrammer.com or your YouTube channel or anything like that? I would say the, you know, like I said, just uh, check out that the book if you want to sign up in, in simpleprogrammer.com. If you want to find me and, and what, I, what I'm doing, um, you can find my YouTube and everything else from there as well. So I, I do, I'm doing a lot of YouTube stuff now. So I'm doing like uh, probably two to three YouTube videos a day. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks for coming, John. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Yep. Oh, one other thing I'll just add is if you want to hear John and I and two of our other friends talk about our businesses every week, you can check it out at entreprogrammers.com. And with that, we'll wrap it up and we'll catch you all next week.